Great to see you guys. I'm Pastor Ted, by the way, one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, man, what a, a blessing to be back with you. I've been gone for three weeks, and uh, look what you guys have done. I, I was gone for three weeks, and what the heck. Um, just got back from the Philippines. We had a, a pastors series of pastors conferences that we were doing on the island of uh, Palawan, ministering to pastors and leaders. God did an incredible work there. Um, we're so grateful for all the work that he did. Uh, at the end of our trip, most of the team came back, but Pastor Rod took a team up into the jungle at the end of the trip and uh, met with some pastors that had gone up into the jungle and actually led a lot of the tribes in the jungle to the Lord. And uh, Rod had an occasion to, to minister there. They had built them a special hut when they got there, um, and they prepared for them a special dinner uh, meal. The uh, chickens were running around their feet in the afternoon, and they were in the pot in the evening, and uh, they had uh, uh, a great time there. And Pastor Rod actually got to lead several uh, of the tribe members to the Lord. Uh, that night in a service that he did. So uh, just incredible time there. We, uh, we're making plans uh, to go back for another series of pastors uh, conferences. This is uh, uh, a year from now, so uh, hopefully all of this shenanigans will be past us and we can go and minister there. And I would ask you to keep in prayer as well. We have a couple of pastors conferences coming up uh, scheduled for July and August uh, actually in Europe. We're going to be ministering to some Serbian pastors um, in uh, Hungary and then we're going to be um, ministering uh, at a, a conference in Austria. So um, praying for that, praying that we can continue uh, to minister there. A lot of exciting stuff coming up on the missions front, and I look forward to sharing those updates with you guys uh, soon. Today, we are going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and the... the um, very gloved ushers are going to be making their way uh, through to pass out Bibles if you need one today. So don't be shy about raising your hands. We've got a Bible that you can use if you uh, forgot yours. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. As I begin this morning, I just want to... Well, first of all, man, how great was it when, you know, I go out of town and God has blessed us with such incredible Bible teachers, Pastor Jim stepping in and, and preaching the word and just killing it, and of course, Sam Morgan uh, taking a couple of weeks and sharing the word and so gifted. Um, I'd love to take all the credit for Sam. He was a student in my homiletics class. Homiletics is the science and art of biblical preaching. I'd love to take all the credit, but I can't take any credit. Uh, his, his grandfather's a pastor. His dad's a pastor, and God has given him an incredible gift. So anyway, grateful for both of those men. And, you know, we, we had gone through 1 Thessalonians before I left. We went chapter by chapter, verse by verse, all the way through the book, and I had planned on continuing when I came back, jumping right into 2 Thessalonians, which is what we're doing. But it's, it's funny how God works. It's, it's just such a blessing because Pastor Jim, when he taught, he taught from Psalm 51, and the, the, the focus of his message was on having a contrite heart. And then Sam, when he taught, he taught on Proverbs 4 about having a clean heart. And then the next week, uh, last week, he taught um, from Philippians chapter 4 on having a contented heart. And uh, as it turns out, as we begin 2 Thessalonians this morning, we're beginning with a focus on having a thankful heart. Uh, and really interesting and timely for where we're at right now um, as a nation uh, and, you know, for our community, uh, the big idea of the verses, we're going to cover the first four verses today, and the big idea is thankfulness in the midst of hardship. Thankfulness in the midst of hardship. That'll preach, that's timely for us, right? And Paul, what we're going to see is he's expressing his thankfulness because despite the hardships that the Thessalonian church has, has and was going through, um, they maintained and had a growing faith in God, and they had a growing love for one another, even in the midst of hardship. And so we're going to look at that. Let's jump right into it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We read Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the identical introduction that Paul gave in his first letter to the Thessalonians, and we went through the history of that when we went through 1 Thessalonians, so I won't take up the time to go through the history, but basically Paul had planted this church on his second missionary journey um, with these guys. He was only with the Thessalonians for about three weeks, if you'll recall, uh, before he endured persecution, and the, the Judaizers actually ran him out of town. 
And, uh, and so he left Timothy behind to minister to this church. Timothy then came back, and he subsequently sent Timothy uh, back to them to find out how they were doing and all. And uh, 1 Thessalonians was a product of that whole uh, process. And now uh, uh, he's writing to them another letter um, about uh, a year later after he wrote 1 Thessalonians. And so he says to them, verse 2, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, exact thing that he said in the first letter. And of course, grace and peace. These, these two are joined at the hip. And, uh, and this is what we have in the Lord. God because he's a God of love, has lavished his grace upon us. He has poured out his grace in a magnificent way. See, because the Bible says that we're all sinners by nature and by choice. There, there is not a single person on the face of the earth that is not a sinner. And the Bible paints a very bleak picture for sinners because it says that uh, the wages of sin is death. You know, the wages, this is what you get. You work all week, you say to your employer, pay me my wages for, for what I've earned. And that's the idea that what you and I have earned in and of ourselves because we're sinners by nature and by choice we have earned spiritual death. But God desires that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. And so he has given to us grace in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus came, lived a sinless life, and he suffered and died on the cross. The Bible says that God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we are yet sinners, Jesus died for us. He took all of our sins past, all of our sins present, all of our sins future, took them all upon himself. He paid the penalty, the death that you and I owe. Jesus paid that penalty on the cross. He suffered, he died, he was buried, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He's ascended into heaven. The Bible says that now in heaven he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He's praying for us right now. Jesus is praying for you by name. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so what God does then, because he desires that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life, he's, he has given Jesus. And basically, people say, oh, how could a God of love send people to hell? I want you to hear, God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. God desires that none should perish. If somebody goes to hell, they literally get there over Jesus' dead body because Jesus died so that you didn't have to go there. And so the grace that you and I have is that this gift has been given. Listen, we need to receive the gift. And if you, by faith, receive the gift of Jesus Christ who, who has died for your sins, if you cry out and say, Lord, I am a sinner but I believe you're the Savior, and I'm asking and I'm inviting you to come and to save me and to make me a new creation. If you pray that prayer, you receive the grace of God. And it overflows, and, and the result is peace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes on, he says in verse 3, <coughs> We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. Paul says, look, you're going through incredible persecution, but your faith is growing in the middle of it. And, and your love for each other is growing in the middle of it. And he says, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So Paul's like, we're bragging about you to everybody we run into. You guys are, are loving the Lord and just doing this uh, incredible work. Now, as I said, this letter follows 1 Thessalonians chronologically by about a year. Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians in about 53 A.D., and he wrote it to encourage these believers to live with expectation and to live in edification. Edification is a fancy word, just means to build up. And the idea Paul was conveying to them was, look, you, you need to live an expectant life looking for the return of Jesus Christ. And if you live that way, that it informs everything that you do. And so when you're living looking for Jesus' return, the natural result is you will build yourself up in your faith, and you will build others up in their faith. And that's really the big idea of the letter, the first letter that he wrote. And so here now, a year later, 
Paul is writing another letter to these guys. And the reason, the occasion, the purpose for which he writes this letter is he wants to encourage them in their faith and he wants to, com- to counter false teaching regarding the coming day of the Lord, the return of Jesus Christ. Here's why. <coughs> At the time of this writing, the Thessalonians were going through a ton of persecution. They were being persecuted as a people and as a church. We'll look at that more in just a couple of minutes. But, you know, just some of it, obviously, naturally, because they were occupied by, the, by Rome, and so a little persecution coming from their occupiers, Rome. Um, much of it was religious persecution uh, from the Judaizers. And same guys that had persecuted Paul, by the way, what, since he was only with him for three weeks because they ran him out of town and then chased after him and made his life miserable. Um, and they're, those that are left in Thessalonica are making the Thessalonians' life miserable. And the persecution that they were going through was so intense that some people within the church were basically starting to teach some false doctrine. And they basically were saying this. They were saying, look, we're going through intense persecution, and this is, guys, the great tribulation. Um, Jesus apparently returned, and we missed it. And now we're going through the tribulation period. And they even produced letters, these false teachers, that were allegedly from Paul affirming that, basically saying, yep, it's the great tribulation, and uh, it sucks to be you kind of thing, you know. And so Paul is writing this letter to correct that. And, and listen to this. In the coming weeks, as we go through 2 Thessalonians, we're going to take a deep dive into end times prophecy. Because Paul takes that deep dive into end times prophecy. And so Paul is going to deal with this subject in in depth. We're going to look at the rapture of the church, what the Bible has to say about that. We're going to look at the coming Antichrist, what the Bible has to say about that. We're going to be looking at the tribulation that the world is going to go through. And we're going to be looking at the signs that, that the Lord said we should be watching for. And in light of the current world events, the signs that the Bible speaks of should get our attention. I'll give you a glimpse of this. Jesus said that in the last days, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be great earthquakes, and there will be famines and plagues in many lands, hello, and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. And then Jesus goes on to say this, people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. So the coming weeks are going to be very interesting, very timely for us right now uh, as a nation and as a people. But for today, I want to call your attention to verses 3 and 4, very instructive for us right now. Look again at what Paul says. He says, we are bound to thank God always for you. The idea there is, man, we can't do anything but thank God for you. We have to do this. We have to cry out and go to the Lord in prayer and give him thanks and praise. Why? (coughs) He says, it's fitting because, two things, your faith grows exceedingly and we have to go and thank God in prayer because the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. As I said a few minutes ago in my opening, um, the church in Thessalonica was going through a rough time. Lots of persecution. They were facing the daily persecution on all sides. They, uh, many of them were beaten. Uh, some of them were being put to death for their faith, as well their property was being taken away from them. Um, workers were prevented from practicing their trades, so you had, you had widespread unemployment because of this persecution. Uh, on top of that, uh, it was very common for them to be shunned, not only by their community, but by some of their family members. Um, and the result was that it drastically affected their daily lives. They, they had to, you know, where are we going to get our food from? Where are we going to get our medicine from? Where are we going to get our shelter from? And frankly, this is an overwhelming state to be in, and it's a very vulnerable place to be. And it kind of, in our current experiences of the last week or so, 
it hits home for us in new ways, doesn't it? Kind of, kind of, you know, I know what it is to feel a little vulnerable, to feel a little bit overwhelmed, you know? Um, we have a family member who is in the travel industry, and uh, she is right now at this moment losing her business and facing uh, what appears to be certain bankruptcy as immediate result of what's going on in the world. And, you know, she's not alone. We have another friend who is a, uh, an educator, and she travels and speaks. And she just posted this last week, a couple of days ago, she posted that in the last five days, every single one of her speaking book, bookings have all been canceled. There are no new bookings coming in. Two-thirds of her revenue stream has evaporated overnight. And, and this, is, this is a big deal. I just read in the Orange County Register yesterday that the world, they say this, the world after the coronavirus outbreak has fundamentally changed. Airline stocks have crashed and burned. Cruise line stocks have sunk without a trace. See what they did there? Um, and the dip isn't just limited, they said, to travel... <coughs> to travel-related industries, other sectors have also been hit hard, including energy, banking, and other financial services. In fact, the, the International Monetary Fund managing director was recently quoted uh, calling the call, you know, talking about the outbreak and basically said this, that the world's most pressing, this is the world's most pressing uncertainty right now, financially speaking. Because what we are facing right now is not just a medical crisis, and it is, but we're also facing a financial crisis as a direct result from this. And, and you guys all know people that are experiencing that. In fact, the region that we live in, the, the, the service sector, uh, is, is one of the, the largest you know, employers in the region that we're in. So people who, who make their living from, from services, you know, the travel industry, uh, those that work in, in hotels, those that work uh, in restaurants and things like that. I just saw a hairdresser post on social media yesterday that their business has dried up literally overnight. Um, and so we all know people who, who are being affected by this. And when we are affected in this way, what do we do? Guys, we pray. That's what we do. If you've read The Great Gatsby, F. F. Scott Fitzgerald has a quote in there. He says that the loneliest moment in a person's life is when they are watching their whole world fall apart and all they can do is stare blankly. And guys, I have good news for you. We've got more than we can do than stare blankly, right? The things that are happening in the world we may not have control over, but we have a God who does control everything. And we have an access to that God through prayer, right? We can pray. Paul says, hey, we are bound to thank God for you. I can go to the Lord in prayer. I can intercede for you and in, in, in all your hardships and stuff, but I can also thank him because you're enduring these hardships and your faith isn't being shaken. It's growing. And your love isn't growing cold. Rather, it's, it's expanding. And you guys, your love for one another is increasing in an incredible way. And so we, guys, during this time, and, and our, our president has declared today a national day of prayer, and we can and should be interceding for the one who has control over all these things and the one to whom is our strong tower, our ever-present help in time of trouble, the Bible says. We can come to the Lord in prayer. Charles Spurgeon said, it is your duty to praise God. You are bound by the bonds of his love as long as you live to bless his name. <coughs> he says, it is meet and comely that you should do so. It's not only a pleasurable exercise, but it is the absolute duty of the Christian life to praise God. Now, it is the National Day of Prayer, and the good news is that prayer is the most powerful weapon that you and I have available to us during this time. A lot of people, they have the attitude like, well, gosh, I, I, all of, everything I've tried to do is fix it, so I guess I, I, all I can do now is pray. That's at the top of your list. All I can do now is pray. Hey, that's the most powerful weapon you've got at your disposal is prayer. James said this, James 5.16, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful 
results. By the way, you think of a righteous person, you might get the misunderstanding that, oh, it, you know, I'm going to get somebody who's really holy uh, to pray for me because their prayers are more powerful than mine. No, what makes you righteous? Jesus and his work on the cross. So if you've trusted your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and he's made you a new creation, if anyone's in Christ, the Bible says, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And so if you are a new creation in Christ, that makes you a righteous person and that makes your prayers to have great power and produce wonderful results. It's been said that prayer is the rope that connects man to, to, uh, to heaven, but it doesn't pull God down to us. Rather, it pulls us up to God. And so this is so critically important. Paul told the Thessalonians in chapter 5, we just went through this a few weeks ago, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. Paul told Timothy, therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He goes on to say, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. As today is a national day of prayer, I want to exhort you to commit some time today where you can pray. And of course, I'm gonna, we're going to spend some time at the end of our service. I'm going to call the pastors up. We're going to pray together. Uh, online, those of you online, uh, we asked uh, for our, our service last night. We also asked for our service at 9 a.m., um, to, for people to send in their prayer requests. And I've got my phone's blowing up with prayer requests. And we're going we're gonna to pray over those prayer requests and we're going to intercede. And I would invite you guys today, not only are we going to pray here together, but, but sometime today, maybe carve out 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. Just set aside some time where you can pray because this is what we need earnestly right now as a people, as individuals, and, and as a nation. We desperately need prayer. We need God to intercede in the circumstances that we're in. And I have a suggestion for some things that you could pray for. I'll put it on the screen for you. Pray for breakthroughs in testing and treatment for every age group that's impacted by the coronavirus. Pray as well that isolation efforts are effective to flatten the curve of transmission. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. Pray for wisdom for our local, state, and national and international leaders. Guys, I can't imagine what it is to have the responsibility that our leaders have. Um, I mean, it's just enough for us to consider, you know, our church and how we're going to respond to drastic changes in how, in how we go about our, our day-to-day ministries. It's been overwhelming. I can't imagine the burden that our leaders are under for this nation. We need to be praying for them. Um, we, we need to pray as well um, that our Christian witness, yours and mine, our Christian witness through this event would be characterized by grace and by peace. Anybody gone to the grocery store lately? Right? And, and do we see grace and peace there? Maybe little pockets of it, but man, we need to be agents and, and vessels of grace and peace. We also need to pray for the families who are going to face challenges due to their children being kept home from school. One of the folks on our prayer request coming in, streaming online today, pointed out that they have special needs children and they enjoy a lot of help through the public school systems in how they're going to educate their special needs children's children and now they don't have that resource available to them and so they, they're under they're under burden they're under hardship um, there are folks that both husband and wife work and now they, they their kids aren't in school and so they have to figure and negotiate all of that stuff how do I go to work and take care of my kids and so we need to pray for that um, we need to pray for advances in the development of a vaccine, which, which, you know, let's be honest, a vaccine is two years away, but we need to pray for that. We need to pray for God to show you and me specific ways that we can serve him and his people during this event. We have a tremendous opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus right now, guys. And, and I've got some suggestions for you. Can you help somebody who has child care needs? 
I, I saw on social media one of our members, she's got a boatload of kids herself, and she said, hey, if anybody is in a situation where you need to go to work and you need somebody to watch your kids, uh, I'm here to help. I'm thinking, well, you've already got, you know, a busload of kids yourself, but here she is willing to help in that way. I've got terrible asthma, by the way, and you guys are so grateful that I'm 12 feet away from you as I'm up here coughing and hacking. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, so, uh, so, you know, maybe you can help somebody with child care needs. Maybe you can help somebody obtain appropriate medical care. Maybe you can provide comfort and emotional support to somebody. Maybe you can run an errand for somebody or help provide food or medicine or other needed items. And we're hearing great stories coming out. One of, one of our members talked about how they're going around their neighborhood because they know some older couples that are there and they're knocking on the doors of their neighbors and saying, hey, we're here to help. Is there anything you need? Another gal had somebody new move into their neighborhood. They came over knocking on their door saying, hey, I'm running down to the market. Can I get you anything? Yeah, good luck with that, but sure, here's a list, you know. Um, and, and just, these are the kinds of things we can do. And listen to, I will say this, and I want you to hear me. Guys, now is the time for you and I to shine as beacons of light in a lost and dying world. Now is the time that you and I can put feet on our faith and actually go out and instead of going to a church building, <coughs> we can actually practice going out to be the church. We talk about this all the time, that church, it's not a place. It's not about the building. It's about you and I living a missional life and having Jesus Christ change us and then we go out and we become the hands and feet of Christ to a lost and dying world and I'm firmly convinced that what is going on right now, even though it is, it is changing dramatically, so many things in our nation and I think this is one of those seminal moments just like uh, 9-11 where, we, where the, our way of life is, is, going to be, is going to be fundamentally changed by this, is being fundamentally changed by this. And I think that we've got a great opportunity to, to respond to this by living missionally. And I think that we're, that we're going to see revival in our land. I think that this, what God is allowing, is going to produce revival in an incredible way. It's already producing fruit. You know, uh, we, we're, we're live streaming. I haven't been a huge fan of live streaming because, you know, the Bible exhorts us not to neglect the gathering together of the saints, and we want people to gather together. But when you're talking about the, ne the necessity of social distancing, the gathering together is, is problematic um, for, for the, you know, the spreading of disease and all. And so, um, and, and I'll talk about more about this in a minute, but the, the, the issue is I haven't been a huge fan of, of live streaming, but now we have to live stream if we're going to gather together. And so we, we went ahead and pulled the trigger on that, and we're doing that. And last night, my, my wife, who was moderating the live stream discussion, and it's, it's cool, when you, and you guys will discover this, when you go on live stream and you're watching the service, it seems counterintuitive that um, there's comments and, and as the message is going out, you can comment uh, on there. And, and there's, there's community and there's dialogue and people talking back and forth. Now, in this setting, I don't like, you know, those kind of distractions. I, I really don't want you to be talking because you're a distraction. But somehow online, this works really well. It's kind of like an, a, a, an online Pentecostal sort of setting where when you're preaching, people are saying, Amen, say that. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, that, that hurt right there. That one hit home, you know. And, but there's that kind of dialogue that's taking place. You guys online, you're experiencing that right now where you're talking back and forth and, and sharing things. Listen, this is good and it's healthy. And last night, what I started off to say was that my wife, as she's moderating all the comments, she notices her, her old neighbor from when she was growing up who, who, who is an atheist and doesn't come to church tuned in and is, and is watching our church services. And so I firmly believe that what Satan intends for evil, God is going to use for good. And I think right now what we are facing, yes, it creates a hardship, but it creates a tremendous opportunity for, for, for revival in our land and for a great awakening to take place.
And so Paul here, he gives thanks to God. And he, he thanks God for these two very important things. You guys are going through the ringer, but your faith is growing and your love is growing. What incredible things to be said about a church, isn't it? That you go, man, I want to brag about this church. And what is church? Church is people. It's not a building. It's not the infrastructure. It's not a corporate entity. It's people. And what a wonderful thing to say about a group of people they have a growing faith, and they have growing love, even in the midst of going through the ringer and being wrung out and having their bell rung and, and going through such persecution, they have a growing faith and a growing love. Let me talk about those two things as we transition now. Um, growing faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And in the midst of persecution, you know, you're wired to walk by sight. I'm wired to walk by sight. Everything in me wants to walk by sight. I'm a control freak, okay? So I like to control everything in my life. Well, you can't control everything in your life, right? And the Bible says whatever's not of faith is sin. Um, and so God delights to let me hit, you know, come to the end of myself to where I have nothing to do but to trust in Him, right? What grows your faith is the Word of God. I'll illustrate it this way. I used to have a boat, nothing fancy. It was an 18-foot, you know, Sea uh, Ray, you know, and, and, uh, and I would take it over to Catalina all the time. People thought I was crazy because a little 18-foot boat, you get 26 miles offshore, it gets, you know, very big ocean, very little boat. Well, I'd head over to Catalina, and um, if you've ever gone, you know that nine times out of ten, when you go over, you get to a place to where, because of the haze and all, or because of, 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 you know, fog conditions, you can't see the island, and you can't see the mainland. You're just out in the middle of very big water, and you've got huge container ships that are going through the shipping lane there, and, and it can get pretty overwhelming. Well, the, the very first time I went, I had at that time, didn't have GPS, didn't have anything. All I had was a compass, and, and I looked up uh, what is the compass heading to get to Avalon, and so there was my compass, and, and really, it, it's the metaphorical picture of looking into God's Word, what does God's Word say that I need to do, and then navigating through the fog of life and going, man, I hope that compass is right, right? And so I go across, I get to a place where I'm like, oh, I can't see land anywhere, but I got to trust this compass is right, and lo and behold... Avalon comes into sight. There's, the, there's the, 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 the casino over there and everything. And it's like the angels are singing, I can trust the compass. See, your faith growing, trials and hardships, those are going to be things that, that overwhelm you. Those are going to be things that make you feel like, what is going on here? I don't, you know, how am I supposed to pay my bills now that, that we're going through this? How, I'm worried about my, my family, you know, getting sick. And what, am, what on earth am I going to do? Listen, God's word will build your faith. And you, your faith can abound in this circumstance, in this situation. And as well, Paul commends them. He says, you guys are going through incredible hardship, but your love for one another is abounding. And that's where I want to finish up, talking about our love for one another. I want to talk about community. We say and believe wholeheartedly that church is family. Church is family. And the Bible says that we're not to neglect the gathering together of ourselves, right, which is the manner of some, right, but we need to, all the more as you see the day of Christ's return approaching, we need to make sure that we make Christian community a priority. Well, how can we make Christian community a priority in a season that demands social distancing? That's the challenge that is before us. And I want to share with you some decisions that we have made as a church in light of what's currently going on. And I want to explain why we've made those decisions. So the decisions that we've made, this, for the time being, is going to be the last time that we, we offer in-person services. Next week, we're going exclusively to live stream only in our gathering together. Um, what that means is that next week, you're going to go to church in your living room. Uh, next week, you are uh, going to see 
you know, we're going to make all of our weekly program, we're going to modify it all, and it's all going to go to live stream. And so what that means is that all of our midweek groups, our men's tactical study, our women's ministry, our Awana um, program, all of those things, we have to change the venue. And I want you to understand it this way. What I'm not saying is that we're going to stop doing church. What I am saying is we're just changing the location of where we're doing church. And guess where we're doing Awana? Your living room. Guess where we're doing church? Your living room. We're going to do it via live stream. And, and so all of this is going to go down, and, and our ministry leaders are going to be sending out information. <laughs> this is why it's so important that we have all of your updated contact information, because there's going to be a lot of, of communication going out now for us to maintain our community connectivity. And so this is, the leaders are going to be spent sending out specific information to you. Let me explain why we're doing this. <coughs> the Riverside County Medical Director has mandated that we institute the practice of social distancing. That's why the chairs are all spread out the way they are here um, and why I put the video, video out last week that we're limiting the, 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 you know, the, the, the physical attendance here at church. Um, we have less than half the, church, the chairs that we normally put in this place. Um, they, they've said, hey, groups of 250 uh, and more, are, you can't do that anymore. And we want to see that diminished. And actually, by the way, that, prop, that number is going to get smaller. Um, they're, go they're, going to, they're going to close that circle a little bit more. But um, here's why they're practicing social distancing. I'll use a graphic. Let me put it up on the screen for you. Um, this, uh, this, this graph that we're going to put up on the, the screen, this represents, there on the left, people in need of medical care, right? The, the, on the, the, the left-hand side of that graph. Uh, along the, the bottom there is time, and then that, that curved line is basically the available hospital medical care that is available. If we don't implement social distancing, What's going to happen is that this coronavirus, which is a very real thing, and the numbers are, are low right now, but listen, they have done modeling, and you need only look to other countries. Italy, two weeks ago, everything was normal in Italy two weeks ago. Now, they are completely shut down. Why? Because their medical system is overloaded. And so if you and I, if we don't practice social distancing, what's going to happen is that the coronavirus is going to be spread in such a way that it's going to overwhelm our hospitals. And so the available care, and, and it was explained purpose, perfectly by, some, by a doctor. He's, he said this, um, and, and I'll, I'll start off, I'd asked you earlier, how many of you have experienced the absolute shenanigans of the grocery store right now. Can I see a show of hands? I mean, every, you walk in there and everything's gone, right? It looks like we went socialist overnight. And, and now, you know, socialism's abounding and there is nothing in the stores. Um, and, and it's absolutely crazy. A doctor basically said this. He said, I want you to imagine that what's happened in the grocery stores just transfer that same thought process to intensive care units. Because that's what's going to happen. There's going to be such an overwhelming number of medical cases that all the available ICU treatment is not going to be available if we don't implement this across our nation. And so this is why steps are being taken so aggressively by our government because what they want to do is they want to slow the process of the disease through the community so that the hospitals can keep up. That's why they're doing this. And, and I want you to understand this. The Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, they do modeling of what to expect. These are disease specialists, okay? And they, they said, now this is, this is worst case scenario, but I want you to understand this. Worst case scenario is that between 160 and 210 million Americans could contract the disease, the coronavirus, over as long as a year, okay? 160 to 210 million Americans. 
they also say that of that number, as many as 21 million Americans will require hospitalization. Let me put that in perspective for you. That's 20 times more hospital beds of, than we have available right now in our nation. You wonder why China had to build a hospital so rapidly? Because of that. So if you had 21 million Americans that have to be hospitalized, we don't have enough beds for that. 20 times over, we don't have enough beds. And here's the worst number. They estimate, Center for Disease Control, these are the professionals, they estimate that as many as 200,000 to 1.7 million Americans could die to the coronavirus. Now, I don't say that to scare you. I just say that to tell you this is why the practice of social distancing is being beaten like a drum right now. And so for us, we go, okay, is it going to be that bad? Maybe not, but we need to do everything that we can to comply with the experts. And I'm not an expert. I'm not a medical expert. And it may well be that we get a couple of weeks down the road, and it won't be that short a time, but maybe we get a couple months down the road, and, and everybody goes, man, it was Y2K all over again. Just a bunch to do about nothing. Everybody freaked out for no reason. Hey, I hope and pray that that's what it is. I hope and pray that two months from now we go, well, that was an overreaction. Praise the Lord. Let's get back together and let's get back to doing what, we, what you know, we've always done. But listen, the alternative is, is horrible. So, so this is why we've made the decision to say, hey, starting next week, we're doing church online. We're doing all of our ministry online. I want you to get it in your head. We're not stopping ministry. We're just changing where we're doing ministry. We're doing ministry in your living room via, via online, okay? Thank God we live in the 21st century that we can do that. And guys, I would say this, that right now is the time for us to be the church. We say it all the time. Church isn't a building, right? It's a people. Well, let's put our money where our mouth is and let's be the people of God. This is a great opportunity for us to put feet on our faith. And we can actually go out and be the hands and feet of Christ. We can help people. We can practice generosity. We can share hope. Right? These are, <coughs> these are all things that we can do. Paul said, or Peter said this, 1 Peter 3.15, Your heart should be holy and set apart for the Lord God. Always be ready to tell everyone who asks you, why you believe as you do. And that brings me to my next point. This is time for us to be bold. It's time for us to be bold in our faith. People are looking for hope, and you have it. You're a distributor of the, of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And you're going to have opportunities to share your faith. And we've already got a boatload of stories of, of, that are just flowing in people that are stepping up as Christians, putting hands and feet on their faith, you know, going and getting groceries for their neighbors, watching people's kids. Hey, you know, the school was closed and, and uh, they have to work. Hey, I'll watch your kids for you free of charge and you can go to work. And it's just the hands and feet of Christ. It's so amazing. We have a thing uh, that, uh, that we do here. It's called Reliance Stories. It's on our website. And basically, if you go there, if you log on, you'll see various videos from different members of our church, and they're just sharing their testimony. They're sharing how God has ministered and worked. There is power in testimony. And right now, it's so important for us as a community of believers to be encouraged, to be connected relationally, and to see what God is doing. The Bible says to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and we got the opportunity to do that. You'll see there's a click box there. It says, tell your story. Here's what I want you guys to do. Those of you online, I want you to do this as well. I want you to take your phone and to, to share like a video segment uh, of just your testimony, something that God did, gave you an opportunity to do. I want you to share your video testimony of, and they're already flowing in. We see them on the website, people sharing pictures of them doing church. Here's a family <coughs> all in their pajamas. Here's their kid dancing to the worship this morning right in front of the TV. These are testimonies of encouragement. And this is a way for us to, to encourage one another to stay connected relationally. And, and there's power in testimony. And so I'm encouraging you guys, let's, let's get these Reliance stories going. Let's just send the video clip in. Just click on that link. They'll, give you, they'll send you a, a form and you can send it in. And, and let's share with the body of Christ 
what God is doing. Um, let me tell you about some resources that we're sending out and offering. Uh, our ministry leaders are going to be sending out uh, different videos and, uh, and helps and links. So you can expect, you know, our high school pastor, junior high pastor, um, you know, different uh, ministry leaders, Bible study leaders, and so on. They're going to be sending out um, weekly videos. They're going to be contacting you to set up specific things. Like if you've got a, a you know, home Bible study, they're going to be setting up uh, a, uh, a way online um, that, uh, that they can um, do, uh, that they can do live streaming um, for, for your home Bible studies and so on. Again, not canceling them, different venue, okay? And so they're going to be sending those things out. Our children's ministry is going to be sending out curriculum. Um, and so, listen, you're doing church at home. As you do church at home, you heads of households, you're going to have a curriculum for your kids. And we're going to send that to you. Um, it's going to be all together. Your lesson plan is going to be right there. It's up to you to be able to lead your kids and teach your kids in this way. So we're going to send that out to you. Um, as well, communion elements. So many of you at home right now, we're going to partake of communion today at the end of the service, and, and you're going to, you know, use communion elements that you have at home. Bread, juice, there's, there's, there's nothing holy or sacred about the elements themselves. They represent the body and the blood of Jesus as we partake of communion. And so you can, you can uh, you know, use the things at, at your home, but we also... We have those prepackaged communion elements, and we've got many of them. So maybe you might want to come by the church office sometime this week and pick up some to take home so that when we're uh, participating in church, you will have those communion elements to pass out. You can come by and get those as well. Our pastors are here. We're available to you for counseling, for prayer. Um, and so, you know, if you going through this, you need to talk to somebody, you need to sit down with somebody, we're here. We're available to you. Uh, God forbid that, you know, illness takes, takes you know, real hold here. Uh, we, we will pray with you. We'll, we'll sit with you. We'll come to the hospital with you. Um, we, uh, we're working through all of this. Um, and I want to say this. This is really important. Hear me on this. This is, this is critically important. Um, you are uniquely created by God. He has designed your brain in, in a remarkable way. You have a golf ball lump of, of cells in the center of your brain called your basal ganglia. And what your basal ganglia does is it takes complex information and it packages it all together and it allows you to just operate by habit in certain ways. I'll describe it this way. And by the way, that, uh, thank you, Charles Duhigg, in his book, The Power of Habit. This is where, where this, he, I got this and where he shares. But he, he describes it in his book this way. He says, when you learn to drive a stick shift, it's really complicated, right? And, and when you learn to drive, period, it's complicated. But learning to drive a stick shift, you've got you know, to navigate the clutch, the brake, and the gas, all this stuff. Imagine if, if your entire life you had to consciously focus on all those things the way you did when you're first learning. It would be impossible. You would have a very low limit of new information that you could learn. But God has created you in such a way that you can take all that complex information, you can learn it, and then what your, what your, what your brain does is packages it all together and you form a habit. And so now you get to the place where you drive to work in your stick shift and you can't remember the last 10 miles because you just did it by road, by habit, right? That's your basal ganglia. Okay, where am I going with this? Um, we develop habit patterns in our lives. And we have a habit pattern as it pertains to coming to church. Habit patterns exist for where you go to grocery shopping, where you, you know, what coffee shops you like to go to, what, you know, the schools and all of this stuff, they're all habit patterns. So what happens is that marketers, they recognize, like, if, if, if they want you to go shopping at their store, you've got a habit pattern, so, so it's like you're, you're unlikely to go to, the, to their store because your habit pattern is so well ingrained. But then things happen. You move, uh, you, you have some sort of major life event that happens, you get pregnant or things like that, and all of a sudden everything's up for grabs. All of your habit patterns all of a sudden are subject to change. Here's the problem with that, and I say all that to, for you to hear this. 
where it pertains to church. Starting next week, you're not, you're not coming to church here. You're doing church in your living room. And the issue is, if you aren't disciplined to say, we go to the 9 a.m. service, we go to the 11 a.m. service, and, and you don't continue that habit pattern, what will happen is that you will be that person that is disengaged from the fellowship and the community of the body of Christ. And you will be right where Satan wants you to be. You'll be ripe for the picking. Your spiritual life will decline. And sin creeps at the door and is just waiting to overwhelm you. And so you have to stay in community. It's so critically important. And so I want to encourage you guys, even though we're not going to be doing church here, make sure that you log into church and stay connected to community. And you'll see, there's, when, when, when we do church online, that there's that opportunity to stay connected in community. That when you, you know, hey, got a midweek Bible study, I'm still engaged in community there. We're, we're, we're getting together, we're FaceTiming, we're sharing videos, we're sharing testimonies, whatever it may be. This is for your well-being. We have to do this. I close with this. God is at work. God is at work. I think God's going to use this for a mighty overwhelming uh, uh, move of his spirit. I think we're ripe for revival. For 2,000 years, the church of Christ has grown, and do you know when it grows the best? Through trials and hardship and persecution. And so we're facing a time of trial. We're facing a time of hardship. This is the time for God to do his best work, and we're going to seek God in that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to close us um, in prayer, but then I want to bring the pastors up to, for us to be engaged in prayer for a few things. So, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll continue in prayer. But let's pray right now. Father, we come to you, and Lord, we pray that you would help us to trust in you and to be those believers who, in the midst of hardship, grow in our faith and we grow in our love for one another. Help us, Lord, to cultivate those loving relationships, those, the, that, that social connectivity, that fellowship that we, that we so desperately need to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We pray for that. Lord, I want to pray for, for anybody here physically in our sanctuary, anybody here virtually online who does not know you. And I just ask you the question in this time of prayer. If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Do you know if you would go to heaven or if you would go to hell? A person says, man, I, how could a loving God send people to hell? Listen, God loves the world so much he gave Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins in your place. He desperately loves you. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin and he offers to you eternal life. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. God demonstrates his own love for this and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God desires that none should perish but that all should have everlasting life and today, God is giving you an invitation. If you do not have Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If you do not have the absolute assurance of where you would spend eternity, you can settle that right now, wherever you are. Either here physically in the sanctuary or online, wherever you're at. Right now, I want to invite you to cry out to God. The Bible says if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I want to invite you right now, if you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and have your sins forgiven, Right this moment, wherever you are, you can pray, Lord, I need you. I need to be forgiven of sin. I need to be washed and cleansed and have the hope of eternal life. The Bible says we need to repent. It means to turn. And that doesn't mean that you turn and you do good and you try harder. That's religion. Turning means you turn to God and you confess, I'm a sinner, I believe you're the Savior, and I need you to save me. And so 
The prayer is, Lord, save me. Have mercy on me. Make me a new creation. Take these these desires for sin out of my life as you make me a new creation and give me a desire for you. Help me to know you. Help me to trust you. Make a profession of faith. Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin in my place. I believe that you rose again on the third day, that you ascended into heaven, that you pray for me right now at the right hand of the throne of God, right this moment. The Lord Jesus is praying for you by name. Pray this, Lord, I invite you to come into my life and be my Lord. Right now, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, then you have received Christ and his forgiveness, and I would encourage you, listen, tell somebody. Tell us. If you're online, just reach out to us. Say, I prayed that prayer. We want to encourage you in your faith. If you prayed that prayer today, when we finish up, we're going to be up here for anybody who needs prayer, and you can come up. Just say, hey, I prayed that prayer. And we just want to encourage you in your faith. We just want to give you some materials to help you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Well, it's time for us to pray. We're going to, I ask the pastors to come up here because we need to press in and pray. It's the day of prayer. I can't very well ask you guys to pray if we don't spend some time in prayer as well. And um, guys, um, let's, let's take 10 minutes and pray before, before we wrap things up. Amen? So, uh, Pastor Jim. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. Um, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am, would allow us to come to you as Abba. And we do come to you this morning as our Abba Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are the wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting Father, but you're also the Prince of Peace. And Lord, I pray that peace over all of our hearts and our minds, God, in spite of what we're going through right now, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you remain faithful, God, and nothing catches you off guard. You know beginning and the end of all things, especially our lives. And so, Lord, our faith and our trust is in you, Lord, and our hope is in you, God. We thank you for giving us that hope. But, God, as we go through these trying times, Lord, I know that in our own personal lives, our personal trials don't stop and we still go through those things. And I just want to pray for these things right now, Lord, just for these families who may be struggling in their marriages right now, God, those who may be hurting because of fear, those who may be hurting because of sickness, or just the emotional struggles or spiritual struggles. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just meet every person right now where they're at, God. I pray for your supernatural healing, Lord, the healing that only you can give, God. I pray for that peace that only you can give. But I just thank you ahead of time, God, for what you're going to do because we know that you're a God who never slumbers or sleeps, that you're always active in our lives and working. And so we thank you for that, God. And I just agree with uh, Pastor Ted, Lord, that you would just use this as a means, Father, of glorifying yourself and bringing revival to our communities, to our country, Lord. We do lift up our leaders to you, God, and pray that you give them the wisdom that they need, Lord, and the understanding that they need. But above all, God, I just pray uh, just for many to come to know you through this whole situation, Lord. So we just thank you, God, for all that you do each and every day. We thank you for your provisions, Lord. Lord, we love you so much, and we give you all the praise and glory and honor that you so much deserve. We pray in Jesus' name. And King Jesus, you are on the throne. Lord, from eternity past to eternity future, you are king, you are sovereign, you are in control. Your word says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, would you give us that abundance of hope now? Lord, as your church and as your people, Lord, we can be a light. We get to be a city set on a hill, Lord, that a broken world can look to and see you. See the hope that is in you, not in circumstances, not in our world, not in our economy, not in our government, Lord, but in you. In you we find hope. In you we find peace. And so, Lord, we believe but we confess, Lord, help our unbelief. Lord, we need you desperately, Lord. Would you fill us with your spirit, Lord, and help us to, to proclaim your gospel in new and creative ways, Lord. Help us to proclaim your gospel to the people that need it. Lord, we thank you that we get to look to you in hope, 
for who you are. Lord, I pray specifically now, Lord, just uh, for, for our younger generation, Lord, for those junior hires and high schoolers, young adults, Lord, that are, Lord, dealing with this differently, dealing with this situation, um, Lord, in a way that impacts them a little bit different. Lord, I, I think of, of the studies, Lord, and, and they're, they're prone to anxieties and depression and doubts and uncertainties, Lord. And in this time, would you give them a spirit of comfort, Lord, of peace, and of hope, Lord, we thank you that you love us with a love unending, with a love unshakable, with a love that can't be separated, Lord, by anything. You are good, and we praise you for that. We worship you. Father, we pray that as a nation you would humble us. We know, Lord, that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. We are desperate for you, Lord. We ask that you would start, Lord, a new work, a fresh work in your nation, Lord, in this world, that, God, we would be a people who look to you and, and no longer just call upon you when uh, times are tough or use you as a genie in a bottle, but that we would be a nation who can call upon your name and know who we're praying to because you'll meet with your people. And we ask, Lord, that you would stir up, Lord, your nation and point them to Jesus. We pray that by the power of your spirit, you would do this work that is beyond us, Lord. You would do this work that draws all men to yourself, that the truth of the gospel would be proclaimed, that every, Lord, avenue would be used by you, Lord, that you would use us for your glory. We ask you, Lord, to do what we cannot do. We commit ourselves to you now and pray it in Jesus' name. Abba, Father, merciful God, this is a trying time for us as a world, as a people, as a nation. And there's a lot of things unknown, but let us rest assured in the one who is known. And in the midst of all the things that are lost, help us remember that you are still the God of creation that as lives are gone, life is brought in, that there are still weddings taking place, there are parties still having had, Lord, there are people celebrating things, um, newness and restoration that is happening. You are delivering men to you. And Father, as you are the creator of multiple stars and sands on the shore, you know us by name. And the fact that you could create multitudes of things and you know us by name, you call us to be your people by name. And I ask, Lord, during the time where the disciples were locked behind a closed door because their world was shaken, their Savior had just died, and in the resurrection of it all, they were keeping the world out, and behold, you go through a locked door, and you say, peace be with you. Father, may we rest assured that peace is with us. And that is a peace that we give to the world because we have a hope, because we have Christ. We have life in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that your people would not be about a church, but be the church. Father, we are called to be living stones. Allow us, empower us, equip us to be that. Help us be the hands that will reach in where there is people that are unreachable. Help us be the arms that will embrace when the world says don't embrace. And help us be the words and life-giving words that give hope to a hopeless world. Father, use us as light for you. Father, as we huddle in our own homes, oh, Lord, ignite us to be Oh, sent out and deployed when you say go. Father, we commit ourselves to you, your most precious name. Lord, we surrender to you, Lord. We come before you. And we thank you for the privilege that we have, Lord, to come before you and cry, Abba, Father. And it's not by our works, Lord, but your work on the cross. By you dying for our sins, Lord, rescuing us, Lord. So we... Repent and we surrender to you, Lord, as your word says, Lord. If my people who are called by my name cry out to me and repent, you hear our cry, Lord, and heal our land. Father, we pray for your healing. And as I come to you, Lord, we come in prayer to you, Lord. My heart goes out to our Spanish congregation, Lord, 
pray you lift them up as well. Que bendigas a cada uno de ellos, Señor, a sus familias. Que podamos ser tu iglesia, Señor, tus brazos, tus pies, en cada uno de nuestros hogares. Que nos esforcemos, seamos valientes, que tú eres nuestro Dios todopoderoso. So, Father, we press on, Lord, for one thing, to seek you, Lord, to seek your face, Jesus. We love you and we thank you for rescuing us, for overcoming the world, Lord, for promising that you will be with us and not forsake us. So I pray, God, that you will be with us in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back out, and uh, we're going to pray and receive communion, and uh, then we're going to dismiss. Um, the communion elements, if you, uh, if you didn't receive them coming in uh, tonight then, uh, or today, um, we will, uh, I think we have the communion elements set up uh, in the back and in the front, and you can uh, grab the, the packet. The bread is symbolic of Jesus' body broken for us, the cup a symbol of his blood shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And so, Lord, we uh, thank you for, uh, for dying on the cross for our sins in our place. We worship you now as we partake of the bread, as we partake of the cup, remembering what you've done for us. Jesus, you yourself said that we're to do this often in remembrance of you. And so what we're remembering is that there is a God in heaven who loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us. So we praise you and we thank you and we pray now, Lord, that you would be with us as we seek you, uh, as we remember you, Lord, as we serve you. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.